This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. But Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Good morning, good morning. Professor Ward Scott here in the Manly Warthog Command Cave inside the Melon Law Studio. Melon Law with 50 years of experience is the only official law firm partner of the Florida Gators. Now, Melon Law won't back down. They also will protect you in your injury accident cases. So uh, be sure to understand that they are a, a full service uh, law firm. So keep Melon Law in mind. They are wonderful partners for the Ward Scott Files and also crime prevention, which uh, secures the Manly Warthog Command Center 24-7, 365. You can get a hold of them by cpss.net and see if they can secure you or help you with your security needs. Uh, good morning, Robert Wilford. And uh, <clears throat> I'm going to expand a little bit on your theme today if I get time, Robert. And I'm going to piggyback off, of course, yesterday being the Normandy Invasion Day, but on over into analysis of what's going on in Europe right now with Putin. Uh, been intending to do that. <clears throat> Other things have kind of slowed me down to getting to that, but I promise I will try to, my best to get to that today. <clears throat> um, we always do the local thing, it seems like, first, uh, that we're probably the only ones uh, along, uh, uh, you know, really does it in depth here on, a, on the show for 50 minutes or so if we need to. But uh, <clears throat> there are a couple of very revealing things um, that are going on in the community. First of all, I want to let you know that, by golly, after a long rain delay yesterday, which was unfortunate for the Gators because they were on a roll in, uh, in the baseball tournament and looked as if they were headed toward uh, moving on. And a rain delay, a five-hour rain delay changed everything. And they ended up losing. So I think they're out of the, out of the uh, con competition now. And they... Uh, Certainly, you got to factor in the weather in baseball. It's, uh, it is uh, really quite helpful for the rain to come here to Windy Hill Farm because uh, we really needed it badly. And we had a nice steady down. And I did not do uh, the naked rain dance. So uh, had we had a naked rain dance, and no, I did not do the naked rain dance in Dade County. So uh, uh, that could have counted for even more water than that, which came down without me. So um, the Gators have done their best to do the with their activities this season in softball and baseball. And now it will become a, kind of a quiet time around here as students thin out somewhat uh, for the summer vacations. And uh, we'll see how they pack back in in the fall and what happens with this new uh, Gator football world. I want to uh, really give a shout out to a guy who wrote an art. I've never met him, uh, but I can tell you, let me see if I've got it here in the Midnight Auto Yard. Um, he wrote a fantastic article. Um, it's in the paper today. I had to laugh. Um, uh, his name is David Whitman. I never have met, I haven't met David. Uh, but he goes into how much of financial value is, is placed on, uh, uh, on people in the sports world. And 
I'm just going to uh, give him a kudo here and a shout out because he has uh, written about this uh, lopsided type of value system we have in our country where we want to be entertained at the expense of having really um, um, more adequate pay for more important jobs, perhaps. But um, the uh, he points out that the football coaches, uh, 14 of them will have a combined salary of 85 million a year. Um, now, of course, we're going to spread that on down to the athletes and they're going to be paid. Uh, some other things just jumping around in his article. I thought I found it very entertaining and I wanted to direct your attention to it. Um, it's uh, really uh, quite uh, uh, humorous and tongue-in-cheek, but at the same time, uh, very serious about the uh, uh, how much uh, athletes get paid compared to, say, you know, LeBron James is worth more than than uh, uh, the Queen of England and all that kind of business. So um, that's been going on and getting worse, if you will. And it probably will continue in that way now that we've got this name, image, and likeness thing running uh, through the system. So I don't know where we come to our senses, perhaps never. But, um, you know, there's no rhyme or reason to what people are paid for what they do. And, uh, you know, there's um, the other thing that's very interesting here locally is um, if you really want to get an indication of uh, how bad democracy can be, and I'm always mindful of what Winston Churchill said. Uh, democracy is a lousy form of government, but it's far better than anything else we got. And it is a lousy form of government. It's filled with uh, the same old things that democracy complained about when it rebe rebelled against an aristocratic form of government. It complained that the aristocrats ran things and uh, nobody could get into their fraternity, so to speak. And um, this was the kingdom and everybody else was um, the underlings and uh, never would you be uh, in the kingdom because you were born and uh, of the royal blood and et cetera, et cetera. And so we had this rebellion here and we wrote the declaration and then we created the constitution and, and we set it up on this model called democracy, which is really kind of a misnomer, probably more of a republic. But never, nevertheless, the assumption is um, they, uh, 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 common man is, 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 is can govern himself as well as the well-trained man can. I don't know about that because the common man has been dumbed down, dumbed down. All that depends on a very good education system, which we haven't had for a long time. And it's not very uh, difficult to, 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 uh, to document and show that. But right now there's a little battle going on um, um, about um, who's going to be the next uh, representatives to government in the city of Gainesville. And Ed Belarski is um, rather courageously in many ways uh, uh, thrown his hat in the ring. He's a scoundrel in the eyes of the power structure. And that, and I used to tell Ed all the time, Ed, you know, they're going to fire you. I mean, you keep telling them the truth and they'll fire you. They don't want to know the truth about how they use GRU and how uh, they'll end up blaming all that on you. The amazing thing about GRU is we had the, the, the uh, legislature um, actually set up a situation uh, not dissimilar to that which is now set up for the single-member district uh, vote uh, where the people of Gainesville could vote on whether or not they wanted GRU managed by somebody other than the city of Gainesville. And I'll be darned if it didn't get voted down. And so, as I remember it, so uh, there you are. 
um, fools rush in where angels fear to tread. And um, here we are again. Uh, we've got Balarski now, who knows where all the bones are, uh, who knows where all the, the numbers are. And he's decided, by golly, he wants to be the mayor and he's going to tell all. But he's only done, he's, he's done one thing, which in, probably in his mind uh, was the right thing to do, and that was be run as a no-party affiliate. Um, you know, <clears throat> that's impossible in most cases. Okay, I don't know how it's going to work out for him. But it's impossible. You can't run outside of a party structure and get elected. Now, I'm just going to say some provocative things, okay? And I'm going to say them with the caveat that I will readily grant you there are exceptions. And But listen, I've been an advisor on political campaigns for quite a while. And one of the first things you realize is that uh, you got you to belong to a party. And in this county, you better belong to the Democrat Party or you're not going to get elected. And you're not going to get elected if you try to run as independent because uh, the Gainesville Sun is going to sunset, is going to turn into a partisan race. Even in these small municipal governments where you're supposed to have non-partisan races, the, the, the sunset will turn it into a partisan race. And, and maybe you can get away with it in a small community where everybody kind of knows you and you can knock on doors, but you sure can't get it uh, after the uh, population reaches a certain, certain threshold because the party runs everything. Now, in, in, in Alachua County, it's a Democrat party. And Marion County, it's a Republican party. And we wouldn't have uh, um, Chuck Clemens and Keith Perry in office if they had to get elected based on just on the population of Alachua County. They wouldn't stand a chance. Not a chance. So, you know, we've put together districts that run over into the other counties that are conservative. And that kind of balances the, the books, if you will, and makes it possible for two Republicans, Perry and Clemens, to be elected. And because they don't, they don't draw their votes purely from Alachua County. If they did, they wouldn't have a snowball's chance. So we've got that sort of situation going on. And, and of course, the local Democrat Party is always complaining and the papers are always writing about and publishing crit things critical of DeSantis. What they're really critical of is that uh, the uh, Republican representatives here do not get their power from the Democrat Party. And the Democrat Party can't stand that. The Democrat Party boss is Mama Chestnut. She is the one who tells them all how high to jump, when to jump and where to jump and uh, all that business. And she is absolutely bulletproof. I mean, with the exception of the time that I managed Sue Baird's campaign and we got Chestnut kicked out of office, which is unheard of for us to have done that. Um, and, and, and we did it because we had a very strong network. We had something then uh, called the Tea Party, uh, which was very powerful in terms of raising money and raising votes. And uh, so we got a Republican, uh, uh, Sue Baird, in, uh, actually up on the dais. And the first thing the Republican Party did was turn against her because she had something to say about, well, maybe if we need roads, maybe we will have to tax. And as soon as the word tax came out of her mouth, the party bosses of the Republican Party turned on her. Well, you know, I never could understand that. I mean, uh, okay, you want to turn on the only Republican you've had and you're not going to support this Republican simply because there was some sort of maybe reaching across the aisle here? Now, granted, Sue Baird was not a sophisticated politician, but I mean, after all, she's a citizen servant and that's what the politicians are supposed to be. 
They're not supposed to be professional, hardcore, uh, ironclad, uh, uh, perpetual uh, uh, politicians the way Cynthia Chesson is. The woman has been in everything. She's had her hand in everything. And she still has her hand in everything. And she still decides who runs and who doesn't. And so this is this is the way it is in this county. Now, there's an objective correlative for her in Marion County. There is a female or a male version of that type of power broker in Marion County. And as I say, that's why you have Perry and and, and, and Clemens in office, because we splice into some of that vote. But here in this community, particularly the city of Gainesville, it is an ironclad lockdown cinch that the only one we recently had was Ed Braddy, who was a great mayor, by the way, and with whom we are now uh, negotiating a regular interview with on a biweekly, perhaps, way. So I want to hear Ed's thoughts on things. Um, he is the chair of the Republican Party currently, but uh, you know, the Republican Party is not put together the way the Democrat Party is. And there are a lot of people in this community who are afraid. There really would be Republicans, that are for, except they're afraid of the cancel culture. And so they are conservative Democrats. They keep their mouth shut. And they don't help much. They can give you money and they can give you a vote, but they can't come out publicly and express themselves in support of you. I run into this every single day. And it's just part of the, part of the way the cookie crumbles will have here. So here we got a guy, Ed Belarsky, who decides he's going to run for mayor as a no-party affiliate. And we got a guy named Horace Moore, a black gentleman, attorney, who decides, by golly, I'll support him because he makes some sense and we've got to do something. And the first thing that happens, the Democratic Party says, well, you can't support him. We're going to kick you out of the party. You can't support somebody who's not a Democrat if you're on the Democratic Executive Committee. We're going to kick you out. Now, that type of power <clears throat> is what is wrong with uh, politics, in my humble opinion. They're unions, they're closed shop unions. And you can't express your own opinion. You can't do, uh, you know, and Balarski, um, he's either too new and fresh to the game or he actually knows what he's doing. It could cost him to be, uh, it could cost him being a mayor. And you could get somebody like, God forbid, uh, banana pudding, uh, the thug, uh, Harvey Ward. My God, what a brutal b beast that is to plod through the political world. Um, that guy, but listen, he's playing the game. He's a Democrat. He's going to play the Democrat game. He's not going to step out of his lane. And he's going to take his marching orders from the party. And uh, you know, you're going to see this all over the place. Now, here I hear tell but I do not believe it for one moment. But I hear tell that there is a younger generation of black folks, young fellas, young uh, people who kind of had it with being sh uh, shepherded around by uh, the closed shop, uh, union shop of the Democrat Party. I don't believe it. I don't believe they exist in significant enough number to make any difference. Uh, the black uh, folk are taken for granted, period by the Democrat Party and are told to stay in their place if they want to get their payoffs. And the Democratic Party pays them off by creating these positions of uh, uh, diversity and inclusion and you know all that kind of poppycock and cramming it into the school boards and cramming it into the uh, school curriculums and all that. That's the payoff. That is a payoff to the Black folk for staying in their place. 
Uh, dare say we even staying on the plantation. Um, uh, that, that, that's basically where the black folk are. And they don't dare step out of their line uh, and express any opinion uh, that would be counter to the interests of the power structure of the Democrat Party. Now, in this case, the Democrat Party is run by Mama Chestnut, who is black. So, but she's in cahoots, of course, with all the liberal whites, or she wouldn't have any power. You know, uh, if, if, you, if you cross the environmental echo terrorists, who, those are the ones who run the Democrat Party, even as a black, you will get chunked out of the party. You will not have any support. So you can't cross, as a mama chestnut, you can't cross a Byerly. Uh, you can't cross that faction of the Democrat Party because that faction, even though they claim to really care about how bad black folk have got it, uh, they take advantage of black folk as long as black folk do what they're supposed to do and march to the orders they're given. So here we have a guy, and believe me, I know what I'm talking about. So you can take it and, and challenge it if you want to, but I'm just going to tell you that's the way it is. And Robert Wilford's chiming in here, and he refused to sign a, a loyalty oath. Uh, these loyalty oaths are basically guns held to your head. If, uh, if you will do what we tell you to do, uh, we'll pump our PAC money, we'll pump our connections uh, into your campaign. But if you don't, we'll, we'll fix it so you never see the light of day. And that's what's going on with a guy who wanted to support a non-party affiliate, uh, 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 Bolarski, who used to be head of GRU, who was fired by the Democrat commission. And now uh, a, a black Democrat has dared to publicly say, and I think he just barely said it publicly, and all of a sudden is getting slapped down for this uh, because he, he dare step out of line. Let me tell you folks, this is very, very much a glimpse behind the curtain of how power works. Now, the same thing is gonna work when uh, they get to the single member district issue. They're gonna to try to turn it into a Republican versus Democrat, but you know, it is not that at all. It is really an urban versus rule. Uh, by that, we mean that if you don't, listen, it is possible, as I said yesterday, although practically it probably wouldn't happen, but it's possible legally five people to live in the duck pond area of the city of Gainesville and all be elected to the county commission. And you say, how in the hell can that happen when we've got all these people living outside uh, of the duck pond area? And I'm just taking the duck pond area with the Thelma Bolton Center and all that because you are in the heart of liberal country there, absolute heartbeat of it. So how in the world, theoretically now, I mean, it could legally be done. There could be five, Chestnut lives in the Duck Pond area. There could be five people living in the Duck Pond area, all of whom could be elected to the county commission. You say, how could that happen? Well, the charter of the county says you don't have to homestead in your quote unquote district, which is a fiction because the district only exists under a dotted line or a map. It doesn't exist beyond that. Uh, you may have maintained a residence in another district. And you say to yourself, you, well, what is the definition of a residence? Well, a residence is very, very vaguely, deliberately, I might add, 
um, defined. Is a residence a mailing address? It can't be a post office box. You wouldn't want to do that. But you might have a condominium down at Bivens Arm, the way Paula Delaney did. Paula Delaney lives across the street, homesteads across the street with her husband, Bruce Delaney, from the law school, the University of Florida Law School. But she represented and was elected countywide, but in order to be representing the quote unquote fictional district, she maintained a condominium by Bevan's arm. Robert Carl Hutch Hutchison, the communist uh, commissioner, rented as a cabin at the bottom of the 8th Avenue Hill. It's a nice little place. It's set off in the woods there. And he rented that as his residence when he was a county commissioner representing a district that that cabin was not in, okay? Was not in. And I asked him one time, I said, Hutch, did you ever actually live there? And he said the only time, and God bless him, he was straight up with me. I always appreciate that about him. He was always straight with me. Um, he said, no, Ward, he said, the only time I ever went there was when maybe my family had the uh, I had the flu and I wanted to protect my family. And I'd maybe go over and spend the night there once in a while. That was all legal. Do you understand what I'm saying to you people? Do you understand? I'll guarantee you, excuse me a minute. That going into this single member district argument, there's not nine people out of 10 there's no, who understand it. They don't understand it. And, 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 and they, don't, they, don't, they think they've got single member districts now. They don't understand it. And God forbid you try to educate them. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, listen, I've just been talking about it now for a good, I don't know, 10 minutes. And you probably still don't understand it. <clears throat> now, the same thing, it goes for this party boss stuff. The way you do it is you just let the party boss tell you what to do and you don't ask any questions. And clearly, the party bosses don't want Ed Balarski to be the mayor. Because Ed Bolarski is going to absolutely, you think, you think anyway, find all the bones and tell you how they got to be buried there. Nobody else is going to do that. Well, the thug, uh, banana pudding, is not smart enough to do it. Nobody else, the poodle isn't. None of these people. Uh, and how low can you go? Bowtie Poe, the, the, the boy named Lauren, he's, he's, he lives in... Book land. I mean, he might as well be down at the at the bookstore, sitting back in the corner there, reading uh, pamphlets or something on theories of God. He hasn't got any more common sense than than the squirrel is in your yard. As in your, he, he got more, and the, damn, the crow damn sure does. So, this is what you're seeing going on. You probably aren't aware of it, and you probably never would be aware of it. If I didn't talk about it, and if you if you didn't spread it, maybe you'd spread it and maybe help people. But there, you try teaching all this to somebody. And what I'm trying to help you understand, as my students, uh, you try doing what I'm doing right now after this show's over. Go teach somebody what I just tried to teach you and watch their faces. They will absolutely get befuddled and blown away. There's no wonder we, we, get, we let people go into the jug 
and sign up hapless souls who should never have been signed up, who should never have been approached, and then the dead gum guys turn out, turn, end up voting. And the, the, the state attorney exonerates the supervisor elections before there's even any kind of investigation. I mean, it's nuts. I got I to gotta, I gotta expand on that a little bit for you. You know, there's, there's a, there's a, there are right now, and this is just straight, they're not even, just in 10 counties without even looking, the Ward Scott Files team here, and you know how our team is, made up of one or two people. Um, we found 80 plus sex offenders in 10 counties all voted in 2020. We found nine here. We found them without even hardly looking. You think Barton found them? She couldn't find, uh, she couldn't find her coat in the closet with a spotlight. I mean, it is ridiculous that somebody and some somebody who knows how, how to just punch up voter rolls, you think it's bad here. Let me just take this, I'm gonna dip this story in before we go on. In New Jersey, now the Epoch Times is covering this, uh, the voter registration records contain more than 8,200 duplicate names, making it possible for one person to cast two ballots. They found another 61 triplicate registrations. Uh, this is all done by, investigated by something called the Public Interest Legal Foundation, PILF, uh, making it possible, uh, 61 triplicate registrations, seven quadruple registrations, three penta five, and one six, to six registrations in the, by one person in the voter registration system. Uh, the the re voter registration system, it turns out in New Jersey, can be tricked into registering a person multiple times with extremely similar biographical data inputs at the same address. Huh? Huh? Now, the most common finding error, according to this analysis, is the clerical typographical error of transposed letters. So you have a Julia Rose and a Julia Rose are the same people, but she has duplicate registrations with unique voter identification numbers. Okay? Um, that mean, it, it, it tens of thousands of other voter uh, uh, problems have been uncovered by PILF, who are now going to put up a federal lawsuit. We probably risk censorship even by talking about this. Okay, um, there are 2,398 registrants showing dates of birth in 1917 or before across New Jersey. Uh, the most recent average life expectancy is 80 years in the state. So thousands of registrants aged well beyond 100 years were on the voter rolls. Okay, now. Uh, this whole issue of how you collect and maintain the basic information about who the voters are, we've, we're at up with it right here. We're at up with it. And we, if we don't keep the pressure, I'm telling you the truth about this now. If we don't keep the pressure on this supervisor of elections and this state attorney, there won't be a damn thing done about it. The party bosses are not going to do anything about it. They could care less. They want inflated voter registration rolls. I mean, it's to their best interests. I mean, isn't it? Particularly in a county like this one, it's run by Democrats. Um, 
this analysis is, is this PILF, I mean, I could go on all over the place and, and, and you know, it goes to Georgia, it goes to other, hey, and we're just doing in our work, we're just doing our work here in the state of Florida. Uh, PILF evidently is a larger, better financed version of us. Of course, we're not financed at all. We got some donors and we really help help us and we appreciate the heck out of that. But, uh, you know, uh, that's a pretty well financed outfit and it's going nationwide. And, and, and you know, if, if we had the resources, we'd be out nationwide too. But we can go statewide and we can certainly go countywide here. So we're watching this to see if anything becomes of this. Uh, we're not even talking now about fel felons who have paid the restitution. We're talking about people who should, could not, cannot pay restitution. Sex offenders, there's no way they can ever have their rights restored to vote. Well, they're voting anyway. Isn't it amazing? It simply is amazing. So we have double, triple, quintupled, uh, sextupled, uh, quintupled registrations. We have uh, people voting that the supervisor elections are either too lazy or inept to find. Uh, you know, it, 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 is, it is just absolutely eat up. And then we got a guy who wants to come along and run for the mayor of Gainesville and try to give you the truth, I assume. And one party supporter from the Democrat Party steps out of line to support him and they want to sanction that dude. So you, you figure out for yourself how all this works. It shouldn't take a rocket scientist. We're back on the Ward Scott Files after this break. Stay tuned. Thank you. This is Ward Scott, and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. Melvin Law, the only official injury partner of the Florida Gators. The Ward Scott Files gold sponsors are Maurice T. McDaniel, Shoot GTR, on the spot dry cleaners, RR construction, and style cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.awardscottfiles.com, and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352 284 3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Wardscott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul. Or that very much surprises me that you've never been tased. You can't handle the truth! All bees poop. Warthog. He's gonna come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help. All right, Professor Ward Scott here in the Manly Warthog Command Center inside the Melbourne Law Studio. 
and Mellon Law has uh, 50 years of experience, the only official law firm partner of the University of Florida. They won't back down. They also will protect you in accident cases. So give them a call. Crime Prevention for Texas 24-7. Contact them at cpss.net. And of course, check out our mug shots, 45,000 people a month do. Um, we are really um, uh, trying to help you understand <clears throat> how the system, I wouldn't use the word, the verb works, how it how it exercises its heavy hand. Uh, that's what it's all about. If you don't, if you organize a movement to get something done and you don't have any power, uh, you know, forget whether it's the right thing to do or the wrong thing to do. You just simply have to have power. And as far as I'm concerned, from what I've learned from studying these things, you need a very well-structured organizational structure. Um, and the Democrats have that. The Republicans don't in this county. Um, you need a very strong compulsory hand that governs people who get out of line and don't are not loyal to the single-minded purpose of the of the um, Democrat Party, and arguably the easiest ones to keep in line are, of course, the blacks. And you keep them in line by paying them. <clears throat> you pay them with things like inclusion and all that kind of business, and um, watering down the standards of the school system and buying into all that crap. Because after all, what does it cost you? Uh, as a power broker of the Democrat Party. And of course, you run a whole smear campaign 24-7. Um, you can take a look at that with Hillary Clinton. Um, it's, that's a professional smear job. You constantly keep one of those apparatuses running 24-7, 365. Obama kept a fiction writer writing a narrative, feeding it to the press that fit the storyline he wanted the Americans to believe. And that storyline is still in place. Because if you challenge it, uh, and of, of which, of course, election integrity is a part of it, then you get canceled. So um, we're in precarious, precarious grounds here with this country right now. There's a poll uh, that's been taken that I thought would be helpful to uh, um, kind of look at, look at with you. Uh, I, it's nothing new to me, but it might be to you. Let me pull it out, pull it out here for you. Um, this poll was taken by uh, the Wall Street Journal and an outfit called NORC from the University of Chicago. And uh, it's a, a nonpartisan research organization that measures social attitudes. It's called the NORC. So uh, this is just off the press just now. Uh, just was reading it this morning in show prep uh, before we started for, for today's show. And I'll just share some things with you that you already know. I don't need to tell you anything new here. Um, you already feel it in your bones, I'm sure. And what the findings of this survey discovered was that the pessimism about this country um, is uh, absolutely governing, excuse me, <coughs> governing the nation's political system. Um, People are pessimistic about the nation's political system. Uh, they're pessimistic about its role as a global leader. And it's very pessimistic about uh, anybody anymore hereafter achieving what has been known up till now as the American dream. Um, the American dream, in case you need it defined, would have to go back into the 1950s. And it was the idea that if you worked hard and you uh, were a good family man and you you uh, got educated, 
well, the doors would open for you and you do right well and you own your own home and you own your own car and you send your kids to college and, and uh, they could be, they could get a house with a bigger yard than you got and a job that paid more than you pay, you get and a car bigger than the one you got and all this kind of business. And uh, they wouldn't have to scrounge for food and use coupons and all this. And of course, what's happened is exactly the opposite. Uh, the lot sizes don't exist anymore. Uh, price per square footage for a home, if you can afford one, is not there for young people. Uh, uh, moving out of a city is almost impossible. Uh, living in a city is inhumane. It's uh, combat warfare everywhere in the city. You're subject to be sitting at a traffic light and get shot. Uh, it's inhospitable, inhumane. So the American dream really for most people is gone and never will be available again. And the Democrats seem quite happy with gas prices going up, killing a fossil fuel society. The, the uh, agent of, of, the, of change, the, the, uh, the, the, the agent of the American dream was of course the fossil fuel industrial society. Uh, fossil fuel was plentiful. It fueled the industrial revolution. The industrial revolution created suburbias and factories and enabled us to win World War II because we were able to, to outmanufacture and produce armament more than any other country. Um, so uh, that's all been fueled by uh, fossil fuel society, of which now has become a taboo, just as Western values have become a taboo, which is more dangerous even than the fossil fuel uh, besmirching. Uh, the besmirching or the demeaning of Western values is going to be the death of the nation. So this is probably what is in this poll. 83% of the people polled said the economy is lousy and not going to get any better. Um, um, they're not satisfied with financial situation and they don't think anybody is going to make it any better. Um, the uh, highest level of dissatisfaction ever, this poll since 1972, when they started taking polls like this. So, we are at the, uh, we're not at the bottom yet, but we're close to it. Uh, and a lot is hinging on these midterm elections. Um, if these midterm elections get uh, rigged, if you will, or uh, uh, tinkered with uh, and things don't turn out, I think you're going to see some terrible, terrible social repercussions. Um, most of the people don't feel there's any chance at all anymore of improving their standard of living. Um, they, they, uh, they, 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 they think that high inflation is behind this uh, dim out economic outlook. Um, the labor market is really kind of a false positive, you remember, because the labor market probably is where it would have been, except we took everybody out of the labor market with the pandemic checks from the government. And so you can't really account the labor market um, as an improvement because it's probably just where it always would have been had we not paid people not to work. So here we are with the highest level of dissatisfaction. Uh, the poll is measured and the Democrats are in control of the White House and also, of course, essentially of Congress. So um, the other thing that this poll revealed was uh, people have absolutely almost hit rock bottom on, uh, on uh, whether or not this country can ever 
reconcile its split over cultural differences. Uh, 86% of the people uh, feel that America is hopelessly divided and when it comes to the most important values. Now, even worse than that, worse than that is uh, they, these people expect this division to get worse in the next five years. I gotta say, I, 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 everything that this poll has come up with so far is, is not a surprise to me. I, 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 I hear it um, everywhere I go. And I hear people's frustration. Um, just the price, for example, this quote unquote affordable housing bull, bull crap. You know what the most affordable house has been? It's been, well, it used to be called the trailer. Then it became the mobile home. Now it's the manufactured home. Well, they're not affordable anymore. Manufactured homes, it used to be people could get around all this stuff by going to another county, a rural county, getting a quote unquote manufactured home and five acres and, you know, have an enjoyable lifestyle, go fishing and, and uh, you know, but now pay for the gas for the boat, you know, uh, pay for the electricity. Uh, you know, that even no longer is quote unquote an affordable home. So you've got, you, you've got to really think about these things. There have always been affordable homes in Florida. They've been called mobile homes. So we've got a case now where that's not even a component of the American dream. So cultural issues, uh, people, people just don't think they're ever going to get reconciled because we got too many people you know, who are afraid to confront this inclusion and all this business and flattening out of standards. We should be, ex we should be emphasizing excellence and meritocracy. Meritocracy has become a bad word. Western values have become, let me tell you what I'm going to say with Robert Wilford, who's watching. Robert D-Day was an attack, a desperate, desperate last ditch. And by the way, that's where Stalin wanted us to come in. You understand? That was a huge defense of Western values. A huge defense of Western values. And I got to say that in the back of Stalin's mind, it wouldn't have been too bad in his interests had we failed. And we see Putin about this right now. Putin doesn't like Western values. Putin doesn't like the fall of the Russian Empire. That's not something in his cards. There's always a story behind the story. I've learned that from doing this. The story up front is not the story. So we're still at this war. Yes, we had this D-Day invasion, but we're still at this war. And that is the defense of Western values. Western values have been run down by the communist left factions of the Democrat Party. And by the universities and by the newspapers. And now the poll shows the people are feeling it in their bones. They don't feel this country can pull itself out of this. 
They're still bitter, believe me, about all the election hanky-panky. They still believe that the, more than ever, that politics is run by special interest groups and everybody else be damned. And that's exactly what we're seeing in the Ed Balarski horse more relationship. What is the special interest of the Democrat party? Power. Do they give a damn about what you pay for utilities? No. They don't care. Even though their own people are suffering, the black folk, more than anybody. When Charles Gostin was running, and bless his heart, I hope he's okay. You know, he had some very serious health issues. A wonderful, courageous guy. When he was running for the city, he got guys tell him that they didn't keep every, you know, they turned off everything all day long in their house and never turned it on except for just a second when they needed it. Nobody cared about that on the city commission. So the people are very, in this poll, in this Wall Street Journal NORC poll, are very pessimistic. Two-thirds of them believe that people of different races will never, ever get it together. And what's so ironic is they're more together than they've ever been. And yet it doesn't suit the party bosses. That narrative doesn't suit the party bosses. I'm going to turn my camera down just a little bit. There we go. I think it's a little better. It doesn't suit the party bosses. The parties, according to the people that respond to this poll, are way apart on cultural issues. And that would be fine if they were apart, if it weren't for the propaganda and misinformation that drives it even farther apart. You know, the focus of racism on, in schools rather than excellence and critical thinking skills has driven the country into a, a mood of despair. I mean, if you don't have a good education system in a democracy, you ain't got a democracy. And we don't have a good education system. Let me just give you an indication of how bad it is. I, I thought you might be interested in this. Now, Georgetown University is a Catholic university, Jesuit Catholic, by the way. That is its historical uh, kind of uh, heritage. And <clears throat> there's a man there who has just had enough because there was a four-month investigation, uh, um, uh, and he is the Georgetown University Law Center He's a, a lawyer there. Let me see what his title was. He was an important dude there. Um, he was a former executive director of Georgetown's Law Center for the Constitution, studies of the Constitution. Imagine this. Imagine this. Georgetown University Law Center had a four-month investigation of him because he dare question the office. Are you ready for this? Oh, you can guess it. Let me get it. I'm going to let you guess it. You know what it is. I know Ray Stern knows. 
he dare question the office of institutional uh, diversity, equity, and affirmative action. It's called IDEAA at Georgetown. And when he was, he, he tweeted that, and this is what his transgression was. Now, you know, I don't know if you've ever read One Day in the Life of Ivan Dezinovich about Alexander Shosinskins, but you damn sure should. It is the Nobel Prize winning account of his stay in the Gulag Archipelago. He was an artillery officer for Stalin, Russian. And in a letter to one of his buddies, he mentioned something about Stalin's mustache in, a, in some sort of comment that was in, intercepted by the censors and interpreted to be disrespectful to Stalin, for which he was banned 10 years hard labor in the Gulag Archipelago. And you think, oh, hell, that can't happen here. Okay, listen to this. The IDEAA, remember what that is? That's the Institution of Diversity, Equity, and Affirmative Action. They don't have inclusion in that, strangely. Found that a tweet that this gentleman made, uh, who was uh, taught constitutional law at Georgetown, where he criticized Biden for limiting his Supreme Court pool of nominees by race and sex to be worthy of discipline. The IDEAA found that that little phrase in his tweet criticizing Biden for limiting his Supreme Court judicial nominee pool by race and sex to require, quote unquote, appropriate corrective measures. And that his comments were offensive and that they needed to be corrected to prevent the recurrence of offensive comments based on attacking race, gender, and sex. That those comments created a harmful environment and that people were offended by them. And therefore, he had broken the rules as a professor at the Georgetown Law Center. And the IDEAA asserted, and I quote, that if he were to make another similar or more serious remark as a Georgetown employee, a hostile environment based on race, gender, and sex likely would be created and that he would be subject to disciplinary further disciplinary action. This article is dated June 6, and it's written by uh, this gentleman, Mr. Shapiro, 
who is the former executive director of the Georgetown Law Center for the Constitutional Studies. <clears throat> he dared to opine that the Constitution makes no mention of racial preferences. And the IDEAA responded with all kinds of people signing the letter that this gentleman's comments were antithetical to the work that Georgetown does to build, are you ready? Inclusion and respect for diversity. Huh? Now, do you wonder why the country is so despondent when you have this type of crap going on? Really? Do you actually wonder? Meanwhile, any remark this gentleman has noted that creates a hostile educational environment for Republican students is um, goes up, go, go, goes on, on discipline. On discipline. So it's free speech for thee, but not free speech for me. Oh, there you are. Uh, I, I just ran across that. I thought, oh my God, it all, it all adds up. I've got to submit this to my class today. You're my students, as you know. i got to submit this to my class and let them think about this. You all are adults. You, you, you raise children. Uh, you pay taxes. You, you um, get involved with things. Um, I'm just trying to help you understand uh, uh, if you're feeling blue, well, you're not the only one. Um, Feeling blue. I apologize once again to Robert Wolfer. I still have not gotten to Putin's master plan. I'm going to end with this. I thought this was very interesting. And therefore, therefore, you've got to suffer too, since I'm interested in it. I've never thought about this much, but obviously Alicia Finley has thought about it. And she studied the relationship between smoke and pot and the violent crime surge among these young people. I haven't read this anywhere else, my students. I've not read it anywhere else. The investigation into the relationship of liberal pot laws and violence among the young perpetrators. Now, even Kamala Goofy Harris, the Alicia Finley starts her article by saying, when she, Harris was asked during the 2020 presidential campaign about her pot use, she giggled and said marijuana gives a lot of people joy and we need more joy in the world. That, that's your vice president. That, that, that's your vice president. But let's go through and look at the relationship about marijuana and mental illness and see if there's any correlation. Um, it's not, it's been deleted that um, the Massachusetts shooters, uh, uh, the mass shooters at Rebbe, Rebbe, Gibby Gifford, Gifford's 
meeting in Tucson. You remember that? It was in 2011. Uh, the Pulse nightclub shooting, uh, the uh, First Baptist shooting, the Marjorie Stone Douglas High School shooting, uh, all were heavy marijuana users. Now, pot is legal. Kids at age 14, according to Finley's, you know, walk around heavily stoned. What does that lead to? According to the studies, now you can be, you know, take it, you, you know, go investigate it for yourself. This leads to increased addiction and more antisocial behavior. And furthermore, now that marijuana is legal, my friends, on average, it is four times as potent as it was in 1995. One nasty reefer madness joint, that's me saying that, it's not in the article, can include 20 times as much THC as joints did in the 60s. Now, I can remember the 60s, okay? You're talking about, let me take you higher, higher, 20 times higher than the 1960s? Wow. The kid in Colorado, Johnny Stack, he started smoking weed at 14 after Colorado legalized it. And then he went to some more potent products. It's called dabs. And then he gradually withdrew from his social activities and developed psychosis and eventually jumped off a building and killed himself. There's something called cannabis-induced psychosis. And we're only now beginning to talk about this. Oh, it's the guns. It's the guns. It's the guns. It's got to be the guns. The guns. How about the mood disorders, my friends? You legalize pot. There have been studies that show that mood disorders result from addiction to spot and that they're 3.2 times as likely to create homicide activities after initiating violence than those who don't ever smoke pot. Where is that in the congressional record? That ain't gonna get there. It ain't gonna get there, my friends. Well, there you are. Hope you got something out of class today. Have a great day. Warthog Command Center out.